0: To open your Bibles to Malachi chapter four. Kevin asked me to speak for him this Sunday. He's away with his family, with uh, taking a well-deserved break, and he asked if I would speak on the family, which has. Uh, been something that God has put on our heart uh, over this past year and he wanted me to include uh, an insert in the bulletin which is an excerpt from a little book called "Eagleless Elders and <clears throat> it's the last chapter on the family and he wanted me to um, share those thoughts with you. And that's why there's a bulletin insert uh, called Fathoming the Family. And you can take a look at that in your own time. But I wanted to spend uh, these few moments with you this morning talking about the family and features of the family that we so much take for granted. We know about all these things, but we take them for granted. And so as we consider uh, the book of Malachi, and I'm going to jump in there in just a moment, I want to point out some concepts about the family in the book. Because when you read the book, you sit down and read the book, and it's a very short book, but it's one of the minor prophets, and the prophets are all about judgment. And so you, anytime you talk about judgment, everybody gets real serious And they take a look and they get the point of judgment, but they miss a lot of the stuff around it. All of the uh, illustrations that Malachi uses at the prompting of the Spirit of God uh, have to do with the family. The issues concern the family. And the verses that we're going to look at this morning uh, have to do with the family. But let me just uh, give you a a little bit of backdrop uh, for the book, Uh, when you look at the first opening paragraph, uh, you see that God is the loving Father of His people, and He uses family terminology, and then He goes into talking about the issue of children respecting their parents, and honoring the family name. And so as you read the book, you see family issues coming out. Um, I don't know uh, what you think about as you raise your children, but one of the things that I thought about in raising my children was whether they're going to honor the family name and whether they're going to honor the name of God as they grow up. These kinds of things are important. And so respecting parents, honoring the family name through obedience is a huge family issue. And so you can see it in the unfolding of this book. And you see relationships mentioned in the book throughout. Uh, Forefathers are mentioned. Descendants are mentioned. Husbands and wives are mentioned. Parents and children are mentioned. Children and their relationships with one another as siblings is mentioned. There are a lot of things related to the family mentioned in this book. The institution of marriage is mentioned, which, by the way, God calls His invention, and He says it's holy to Him, and it's beloved to Him. And even when the family breaks down, God takes pity on the family. And so it talks about widows and orphans, uh, a result of a broken family. And if a father is taken out and the widow is left on her own and the children have no one to provide and to protect, that's a family issue. And God takes that very personally. And so he pities those who are deprived of this fam- the benefits of the family structure. And also, when there's a breakdown in relationships between husbands and wives, uh, he takes issue with that and he encourages families to stay together. And he talks about the tragic consequences of broken families. And he says, uh, very interestingly, that when families fall apart... It leads to treachery and violence. Um, Treachery is like when you go back on your word, you have a commitment and you violate it um, and you play a relationship to your advantage. That's treacherous. And when you see the breakdown of the family and relationships falling apart and you consider the outcome of that, Uh, not only on the family, but as it works its way out in the lives of the children and as they go out into society, you see treachery and violence. And treachery basically says this, you know what? I don't really care. I'm going to do it my way. And if you react, I'll use whatever means necessary to get it. How do people get driven to those positions? Largely from the breakdown of the family. And so when we get to the end of the book of Malachi, we get to the last couple verses, we see that ultimately the family is what God is concerned about And he calls attention in the very last verse of the book to fathers and children. And even though all the different uh, dimensions of the family are mentioned, there's one word that is not mentioned regarding the family, and it's mothers. But notice what he says in verse 6 And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. The reason mothers aren't mentioned is because, for mothers, that's what it's all about. It's all about relationships. Mothers nurture, they give birth. They cultivate relationships. And so when we talk about the family, what are we really talking about? We're talking about relationships. Why did God design the family the way that he did? It's all about relationships. And it's all about others. And if you didn't have the family, this whole family dynamic, then The selfish preoccupation that we have, naturally, would never get checked. But because you are brought into a family, you learn it's all about others. And you learn to live with relationships. And that's the point. And so God doesn't mention mothers because they nurture but he does mention his fathers and children. And so we want to focus on this. And he says, when Elijah the prophet comes before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, when there's going to be judgment over all the earth, there's going to be this turning of the father's hearts to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Well, how does that happen? through the prophetic preaching of the word. Here's the prophet Elijah. And so there's a task to be done. Nobody likes to be preached at, and nobody likes the prophet because they know that he's going to talk about judgment. But it's important. Otherwise, fathers' hearts are not going to turn back to God, not going to turn toward their children the hearts of the children. If the children see their father doing whatever they want, guess what? They're going to want to do whatever they want. And so there is this real problem at the heart of the family, not with the mothers, but with the fathers and the children. And then there's a very interesting conclusion. If this doesn't happen... I will come and strike the earth with a curse. So I want to begin this morning by asking this question. What is it that brings judgment on the earth and why? The thing that brings judgment on the earth is the dissolution of the family. And when you stop and think about the family and God's design of it, there's some real interesting things to consider. And so I want to point them out to you. There's three of them that I want to give you first off. The the features of the family that I think are most significant is design. That's number one. And then development, that's number two. And then differences. So... When God designs people, he does it within the framework of the family. Have you ever thought about that? So you are born into a family, and you have certain physical features uh, just like your family members. And you have uh, a temperament that you're born with that um, shapes your identity. People recognize you for who you are. And this is part of God's design for you. And then there are personality traits that come about as a result of the setting that you're placed in. And this becomes, uh, by design, who you are. And it's God's doing. And... There are also, later, as you come to Christ, there are spiritual gifts that you get that are related to all of this. And you take on a peculiar identity. Look around the room. there, There's every imaginable kind of person. But when you start spotting families, you can see resemblances. But yet, you're peculiar. And so... God has a purpose uh, in this feature of the family, and it relates to design. Now, if God's purpose is going to be affected in the family, then you need to accept how he has designed you. So imagine that God's designed you a certain way, including all of these features. And by the way, lest you doubt that, Uh, Think of uh, Psalm 33, verse 15, that says, He fashions their hearts individually. God looks down on all the children of men, and He fashions their hearts individually. Your heart has been fashioned by God individually. And then Psalm 139 says that, When you were still in your mother's womb, he knit you together. And so your physical being, your soul complement uh, coming together in a person is by God's design. If you don't like God's design, if you do not accept God's design for your life, How is that going to leave you feeling? How is that going to leave you acting? Not only that, what about your children? If they are not happy with God's design, that affects how they're going to live out their life. And so one of the things that you want to do, uh, and we're not talking about self-esteem here, and we're not talking about um, the issue of... um, building up somebody to what they want to be or you think they ought to be what we're really talking about is accepting God's design he created you individually he fashioned your heart he fashioned your body and if we're gonna facilitate God's purpose in doing this family thing each and every one of us need to accept the design that he has for us and help our children to accept the design. So we're so when we're raising our children, we want to accept how he designed us. And we want to teach our children self-acceptance because God's the one that designed them. All right, then the second thing we want to talk about when we're talking about the features of the family is development. So you can see a progression from... The time of birth uh, to growing into be um, a toddler, and then a preschooler, and then a, then somebody in school, and high. School, you see this development, and then it goes on. You get older. You have children of your own, and then you get older. You have grandchildren, and there's this whole developmental progression through life. That's part of God's design. And it's part of the feature of the family. So uh, the family has this interlocking uh, connection, connectivity going on. Everything is interrelated. And it's unfolding and it's developing from reproduction to birth to nurture to training to maturity to, to uh, starting all over again to... Uh, the whole cycle. And for God's feature of development to function properly, it needs uh, confidence or assurance. And that's why God ties that all together with another feature of the family called marriage. And when there is a marriage covenant, there's a commitment that brings assurance so if there's assurance in my heart and I'm a mother or a father and I have a commitment I'm going to because I'm assured I am going to raise children I'm going to nurture them but what if I don't think this marriage idea works well? What if I think that somebody is going to walk out on me? What if I think somebody is going to mistreat me? What if I think that my partner is not going to protect and provide for the family? And I lack assurance because there is no commitment because there is no follow-through, because there is no staying with it, because there is separation, because there is divorce, what effect does that have on the next generation wanting to raise children? And so this second feature is development, but for development to work all the way through life, it requires assurance Of a meaningful covenant or commitment. And when that assurance is there, uh, it's made at the time of joining together, but then people can always go back to it. He promised he would not leave me. Doesn't matter whether it's good, doesn't matter whether it's bad, doesn't matter. He promised there's an assurance from that that leads to the whole ongoing of this family thing. So, we need to accept who we are by design. We need to rest in the assurance of a commitment in covenant for the ongoing of the family. And then the third thing we need to recognize is that this is all about differences. Families are all about differences. God, when God creates something, it's everything that he creates is different, one from the other. Has that been your experience? It's different. Now, what's our problem? What's our problem with being born into this life? What is our problem growing up? What is our problem with God? Our problem is that we are insecure, and we only feel comfortable, naturally, around people who are like us. But we can never find someone exactly like us. But the more a person is like us, the more we like them. And yet, everybody's different. And so, this is part of what God um, purposes in marriage. Differences. You say, well, that's very, very strange. And But if you look at your children, and so you'll say, you know, I just had a second child. Couldn't be more different than the first child. How many of you have said that in your life? Yeah, see what I mean? So it's all about differences. Uh, not only that, in marriage, opposites attract, right? And there is something, even though you really only naturally like people who are just like you, you're attracted by what the other person brings to you and compliments you as you step forward into life. There's an appeal that way. And so we struggle with differences. Now, just as in design... Accepting that design makes God's purpose for the family work, just as in development uh, the assurance of a commitment in marriage makes that work. Um, Authority makes the differences work. All right, so let's take a look at this. Uh, And I want you to turn to um, Romans chapter 13. In Romans chapter 13 we're talking about being subject to authority. And there's some overarching um, categorical statements that are made regarding authority. And I want you to notice how the word every and all is used. Let every soul, this is Romans 13, verse 1, let every soul... Be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. It's God's idea. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For authorities are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. All right, so what's the idea? The idea is that some people are placed in positions of responsibility over other people. God's idea. There is not a time or a place or a person that that does not involve one way or another. And if you happen to be in authority in one place, you'll be under authority in another place. And as things develop through life, there is this uh, thing that God has related to the family uh, that has to do with authority. And acceptance of authority is what facilitates the differences that you find in life. I want you to think about that for a minute. When people get upset with one another and somebody says, you cannot treat me that way. Oh, yes, I can. There is an authority in place to prevent somebody from taking advantage of somebody else because of the differences. So how are you going to deal with differences in life? by surrendering to the authorities. Authority is a wonderful thing, and it's all part of God's design for this life. It's all part of what it means to be a family. And the family structures extend throughout all of society. So in Ephesians chapter 5, for instance, it says, um, Husbands, you're in authority. Be loving when you're in authority. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. And then at the conclusion of that authority relationship, it says, I want to tell you that this design of husbands and and wives in relationship doesn't really have to do with husbands and wives. It has to do with God and his people. And the purpose of this is to show how things work when you accept authority and you live under it. And so this happens at the core of all of society, the family, and specifically husbands and wives. And the reason we have problems with this is because of rebellion in our hearts. It's an authority issue. The reason that the devil has a problem with God is because he doesn't want him to have authority over him. The way that he deceived human beings was to get them to rebel against authority. The nature of sin is rebellion against authority. It's not accepting the authority structure, and yet you see it everywhere. And we know that we need it. We not only need it among husbands and wives, parents and children, employers and employees, uh, government officials and so on. It's everywhere. Where does it come from? It comes from God. And so the thing that facilitates the differences that we encounter in everyday life is authority. And God builds it into the family. and it's a wonderful thing. It's not a thing to be despised and rejected. And so when we look at the features of the family and we see that the fam- the reason judgment is coming on the earth is because of the dissolution of families, then we have to see in our culture what the problems are. what are the problems? Fathers don't want to take responsibility. That's an authority issue. They go passive. They do whatever they want. They don't commit to the family. And the solution then is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. Why? Because that's their responsibility. They are an authority over them to protect them. And so what do kids do? One kid is as different from the next as night and day, and they fight. What do you do about that, fathers? The issue of being an authority is to help people deal with the differences. When God designed the family, he designed it so that we had a structure uh, for dealing with the differences. And that means teaching each to accept the design from God, the developmental schedule of things from God, and the differences. And so here's a father, and if he's going to promote health and vitality in the family, he's going to accept his role of authority over the family and protect and provide them. And what is he, in essence, going to be doing along the way? Dealing with the differences. Cultivating relationships. And so then it doesn't get to be about the father. It's about everybody else. That's the whole idea of the family. It's all about others. And so, fathers need to discipline the childishness out of their children. Proverbs 22, verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So fathers don't want to discipline. It's a lot of bother. It's a lot of grief. But it needs to happen, and if it doesn't happen, then what? But there's another very interesting thing when it says <coughs> that children need to turn the hearts of the, uh, to the fathers. What's that all about? And so you see this thing in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, for instance. In Matthew 18 it says, "...unless you become converted and become like a little child..." you shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What is that talking about? That's talking about big people becoming childlike. Not childish, but childlike. Well, this is an odd contrast. So you've got the hearts of the fathers need to turn the hearts of the children, the hearts of the children, the hearts of the fathers. You've got a thing going on there that is basically this. Fathers grow up and they want to continue behaving in a childish manner. They do not want to behave in a childlike manner that's humble and lowly and sweet and saying, it's not about me, it's about other people, which is childlike. They want to be childish. And so there's this curious thing that happens if I, as a father, do not look at my children and say, Isn't that childlikeness so sweet? That's what I I do not want to lose that in life. I don't want to become selfish, demanding, domineering. I don't want it. And that childlikeness impacts their heart then they are going to be responsible and they are going to discipline the childishness out of their children. When they do that, the children grow up um, turning away from childishness, the foolishness of being a child. And the childlikeness continues. You see how that works? That's what Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 is talking about when the When the prophet Elijah comes, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, so that they turn away from childishness, but they retain childlikeness. And the only way that happens is through the prophetic preaching of the word. And so you see in verse 5 of Malachi chapter 4 that Elijah comes, and what does he do? He does this turning. How does a prophet turn people away from their sin? He preaches the truth about the Word of God. God is righteous. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. He came into the world to die for my sins. When I accept that, I judge myself according to God's Word And I avoid the judgment that awaits those who are going to stand in their own pride. So, how do families deal with the differences? (laughs) Families are diverse by design. And families become the basis uh, for dealing with the differences. Relationships result from healthy families. And God designed it all this way because of His character. His character is selfless. For Him, it's all about others. For Him, it's about relationships. When we turn away from God, we don't want relationships. When we turn away from God and our sin, we don't want to have anything to do with His ways. And what happens? The breakdown of the family The breakdown of society. And there's nothing left but for God to come and judge the earth with a curse. So what forestalls that? The prophetic preaching of the word. And so in realizing this, the elders have said, Our culture is falling apart. Our churches are falling apart. Our families are falling apart. God designed all of this to be anchored by the relationships of the family. And so when God put that on our hearts, we, we said that needs to be our focal point as far as doing what we're doing. But there's no way we can do that in and of ourselves. How many of you as parents find it utterly impossible to effectively do this family thing? Raise your hands if you would. Yeah, it's, you know what? It's humanly impossible. But it's not impossible for humans. We have the spirit of grace, We can then consider the features that God has built into this family thing, and we can walk in it. To fathom God's purpose for the families, we have to look at His character. When we look at His character, we get it it's all about others, it's all about relationships. When we walk with God, it's a relationship. When we love our wives, it's a relationship. When women love their husbands, it's a relationship. When parents give themselves over to their children, it's relationships. When there's respect and honor for the family name, it's about relationships. It's what God's all about. And that's why that's our focus. If you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there's enmity between you and Him. There's no relationship. If you're caught up in your own selfish ways, there's enmity between you and your spouse, between you and everybody else, unless they're just like you and they want to do the selfish things you want to do. But the stability of all society depends on relationships and dealing with the differences. And God set up the family and He set up authority structures to preserve that, to enhance that to develop that so that the family becomes the bedrock of society, of the churches, of the homes, and relationships, strong and healthy, result. Isn't that the best way? And it forces us to face who we are and the problems we have with God and with one another. It's a wonderful thing. So if you would, fathom these features of the family and ask what part God would have you play in your home, in your society, in your culture, in your church, to restore what's being torn down, lest God come and smite the earth with a curse. Let's pray. Uh, so, Father, we find that we are very um, much selfish and it's all about our ego and it's all about promoting ourselves. And so we tear down relationships, we tear apart relationships, our families disintegrate, our culture uh, dissolves, and it's all because we do not understand who you are and how you want to relate and how you want to shift the focus away from ourselves. Um, For those who are coming for the first time, would you speak to their hearts about having a relationship with you? Would you speak to their hearts about Jesus dying for their sins? Would you speak to their hearts about their responsibilities with regard to their relationships in the family and the importance of that to our culture and society. And for us who know you, would you impress upon us the importance of walking with you in relationship so that we take our eyes off ourselves and discover that, in fact, it's all about others. In Jesus' name, amen. want to thank you for coming we have a fellowship time uh here fellowship halls right over here if you've never been here before just walk down this hall and get your kids and go to the fellowship time for a half hour and then after that we have um adult bible fellowships to go to and um, just hope you have a wonderful day in the lord you're dismissed